Uh, but we went to uh, New Orleans, and one of my favorite parts is that we had a little bit of time uh, to go and do something that we wanted to do, and we went to the World War II Museum. Uh, and as we were in there, I love history. I love learning about history. I love uh, seeing what people had done before us. And there was something that stood out to me as we went downstairs, and, and in this part, it was the European Theater. And everybody knows the European Theater, that Germany was on its way to world domination during that time. Uh, and as I was looking at this big video screen, it showed Hitler's plan to take over all of Europe. And guys, what I noticed is that he started in one place, and that country fell, and then he went to another, and that country fell, and he went to another, and that country fell, and it was a wave of evil that was coming around Europe. And we know how many millions of people were killed during that war, the travesties, the, uh, the evil that happened during that time. I, we're not that far separated from that, by the way. We think we are, but we're not. And as you've seen that evil that was coming over Europe and all those people that were having to give in to Germany and their uh, evil, there was one nation that stood in the middle. And he's seen all this red, and they had it marked in red, and then there was one in the blue, middle, and it was blue. And guys, that was England. And we all grow up knowing history in our history books. And there was something that stood out to me when Winston Churchill said, we can surrender, and we can give up like the rest of everybody else, or we can continue to fight. And we are going to continue on no matter how the bombardment is. We are going to never surrender. We will fight them in the streets. We will fight them in the air. We will fight them on the beaches. But we will never give up and we will never, ever surrender. And if it wasn't for England holding strong until the Americans got there, our nation and our world could look a whole lot different today. And guys, I want you to understand something this morning before we get started. That there is an evil that is on our doorsteps. And you don't understand. You say, well, Brandon, I'm a Christian. I'm telling you, evil is still knocking at your back door. And God is calling men and women that are saved by the blood to stand firm amongst it to say that I am not going to give in, I am not going to stop, I am not going to surrender, and it doesn't matter what any other Christian does, we are going to continue on for Jesus Christ in this awful age in which we live. He is asking us to put our armor on and get into the fight. The problem is most Christians don't even know what it means to fight. Billy Graham said it best. What is the hardest nation to be a Christian in? The United States of America. Why? Because we don't know persecution. We don't know what it means to truly stand for God. We don't know what it means to have our faith on the line. We do not know what it means to have somebody say, I'm going to kill you for what you believe in. And it is the hardest country to be a Christian in because we can stand for God on one hand and we can stand for evil on the other. We don't have to truly stand for anything. 
And guys, I believe that has created a weak church. It has created a nation that is forgetting the blessings that are, have been blessed upon it. It is a church that is no longer relying on God anymore. And we are a church that is resting on our blessings. Guys, I don't know about you, but I want to be a strong church. I want to see our nation be have strong churches on every corner. Because when Satan can devour a Christian, and I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about your spiritual life. When he can take that from you, it is an arrow to Christianity. Because when the world looks at a bunch of defeated Christians who barely believe in what they say, and on the outside almost look like atheists if you look at their life, it makes God look very small, and it makes God look very weak, and it makes God somebody that we don't even need to serve. Amen or oh me? God changed my life just a few years ago. And I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to go back to sitting on a church pew again. I don't ever want to be sitting by myself on an empty pew again. I don't ever want to be 27 years old and I've never led somebody to Jesus again. But that's what I was. And I believe that even here on Hillcrest Baptist Church, there's a lot of you that are where I was. And not only at Hillcrest, all over our city, all over our county, all over our states, and all over America, there are Christians who have made their holiness on being at church, doing the things that they're supposed to do, and all the while being so far away from God while they sit in a pew. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, 15 says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Guys, I want us to understand before we get started, this is where Solomon had dedicated the temple to God. God's presence had filled the temple but God made them a promise. He said, if you will continue to turn to me, if you will continue to pray, if you will continue to seek my face, if you will turn from your wicked ways, I will be there and amongst you and your presence will, my presence will always be felt among you. But if you don't, judgment and exile will come. This is a message to Israel, but it is also a message to us. Who is upset about our world? Who's upset about our world? Who doesn't like the direction we're going? Our nation, our state, and our towns are in a mess. But the Bible is clear in 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Guys, judgment starts with the church. And when the people of God want to sit and complain about the nation 
They want to complain about the situation in our schools. They want to complain about the evil that's going on everywhere. They want to sit there and say, I'll be the first one to fight. Well, my friend, when the gun goes in your hand, often we are the last one and we throw the gun away and run and say somebody else should do it. But judgment starts in the house of God. When my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And we're going to get to the end of this, but I wonder how many in this church really want God to do something. I wonder how many in this church, man, I say tomorrow if there was 4,000 people in here and there wasn't a seat in this place, but people were filling this altar week after week saying, God, save my soul. I wonder, we say, I'd love to see that. I would. Would you? Really? If all of a sudden your seat was no longer there, if all of a sudden people's walk just got all over yours, if all of a sudden the light that they were showing out of their life showed the darkness in yours, would you get upset at them? Guys, I want to see God move in a way that he's only he can move. And the only way that's going to happen is in the people of God will start to get real in their life. Ezekiel 33 says that we are to be watchmen. We are to sound the alarm. And if people don't listen, that's on them. But guys, I want us to understand if we don't sound the alarm, it's on us. We are the ones that have to stand in judgment for what we didn't do with God's Word. Before the law saved... There must be revival inside of the church. There's been a lot of people who years ago were able to experience revivals for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You look back through our history books of just Wilson County. I can give you account after account after account of churches that went from one week to two weeks to three weeks to four weeks to five weeks right here in Wilson County not that long ago. And now, if we even thought that God was wanting to move one extra day, we would say, there ain't no way I'm coming and I'm going to stamp that out right here, right now because if it's not on the calendar, if God's wanting to do something that only He can do, I'm not going to be a part of it because I'm too busy. I don't have no room for Jesus other than the box that I have put Him in. And I wonder if we've even given God the opportunity to move if he even was begging us to let him move. Before the lost can be saved, revival needs to come through Christians. Guys, I want us to understand there was a land that was being taken in Chronicles. Those people who had looked out from God and they were doing what they wanted to do, God had a promise to them, and yet they settled for what the world had to offer. And I believe today that there is a land being taken. We don't even understand the land that is being taken, but I believe that right here, right now, that there are folks in this church that your land is being taken one inch at a time. One inch at a time. The land that was once longing for God 
is now settling for just habit, going to church on a Sunday, and never even talking to God all the days of the week. There's an enemy today that has declared war on you. And if he can bring you down, he can make the church of God look awfully bad. And guys, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to gear up. I'm ready to put my armor on. And I'm going to say, God, I am going and I need you to help me declare the land in my life back. Guys, it is time to rage war on sin. It is time to say, I am done. This is enough. And I'm not going to give the devil one more chance. And that what we have to do is our secret weapon is to humble ourselves and pray. And I'm not talking, just get up and say, Lord, do something. No, I'm talking. We've got to get brokenhearted over where we are. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for those that are here today. Lord, I need you this morning. I don't want this message to be hateful. I don't want this message to be negative. But God, we got to wake up in our own personal walk. Lord, it's not about what the guy next door is doing. It's not about what the person in the next pew is doing. Lord, what do you want from us as individuals? And Lord, I pray, God, that today that there is land being taken by sin, if there's families that are being ruined by sin, if there's marriages being, being destroyed by sin, if there's walks being destroyed by sin, that we say enough is enough and I'm going to humble myself and I am going to pray that God puts me back right where I need to be with Him. And thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy when we come seeking you. In Jesus' name, amen. But guys, I want us to look in James 4, 1 through 10. It says, Draw near to God. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think the Scripture saith in vain... The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more... This is the good stuff. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Guys, that is an amazing promise. Too many Christians today are looking like the Israelites. God has promised us provision. He has promised us to be with us. He has promised us to never forsake us. He is asking each and every single one of us to just keep our eyes on Him 
if we're not careful, we will fall back into our old ways of living. Guys, if we are not careful, the flesh is what we feed instead of the spirit. The Bible is clear. We all have a flesh that is battling all the time. I have it, you have it. There is always a war going on amongst our members. There is always these thoughts that run through our heads. There's always this temptation. It is never going to leave. But what we must understand as we fight this battle for Jesus, we must start to feed the Spirit more than the flesh. But I'm afraid that Christians today are so infiltrated by worldliness that we no longer feed the Spirit and only feed the flesh. And that has made us, it has made us a weak people. God says, but a Christian is happiest when he or she is right with God. We've never been so busy for God, but we've never been so away from Him at the same time. In our busy school, work, ball games, church, programs, meetings, Facebook, vacations, you name it, and I'm not against any of it. You notice that I even put church in there. In our busyness, we become tired, we become weary, we become worn out, and it isn't long before we become angry and impatient. And if you are not careful, Satan will start to take the land that was once a joyous land. Most of the time, church and God, when we get busy, are the first to go. Trying to gain quantity of the world, we lose the quality of life. Guys, we can't be so caught up in the quantity of this world. But we must start to focus again on the quality of life in which God has for us. Because I don't know about you, but I raise kids too. I'm busy just like you are. I run wild just like we do, all of you do. I got to get here, 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 I got to do this, 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 I got to do this. And all the while, very often I don't pray, I forget to seek God, I put Him often on the side somewhere and never even go to Him. And all the while, I realize that I have no power of my own. Let me tell you something, guys. When I'm not right with God, I have zero power. Zero power. And I'm tired of not having any power. I want power because I know when I'm right with God, He fills me with a power that can't be explained. And I'm not saying that we can't go on vacations. I'm not saying that we can't go ball. I was doing, we were playing ball yesterday. But I am saying that we cannot give more time to the world than we do to God. Or we are going to be so lopsided in our walk that we can't even take a step for Him. Amen? But the world has made it that way. Guys, just a few years ago, we didn't have Facebook. We couldn't see what everybody else is doing. And you say, well, Brandon, that don't cause nothing. Yes, it does. Because the moment that we see what everybody else is doing, that, 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 that flesh starts to long for what they're doing. You start to see them go on vacations and you say, Woo, I wish I could go on vacation. You say, man, I see that they got this and they got that. I want that. And before you know it, we don't even mean to do it. But our eyes are looking into a worldly world that we just don't belong in. 
Guys, it doesn't matter if the whole world's got a million dollars. You've got something worth more if you are blood-bought and you are a child of God. But most of the time, it is church that ends up being the first to go in our life. But whatever you do, you better take care of your relationship with God. Guys, I'm a believer that that prodigal son that we often talk about so much, we compare the world to him. Oh, man, that was the prodigal. He was the one in the pigsty. He was the one doing everything that he shouldn't do. And he was in the far country. Brandon, I'm not in a far country. My friend, that other brother at home was in just as much of a far country as the one that was in the pigsty. In fact, he was further. Guys, there was a sermon, and I probably could have labeled it this, but it's the prodigal from the church pew. And we can be a prodigal from the church pew. But the problem is this, and guys, I want us to understand the problem before we're going to get to the solution. The problem in verse 1 through 5, it talks about you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulterers know not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever there will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Guys, I want us to understand there's one problem that is coming between our families. There's one problem that's becoming between our walk with God. There's one problem that is making us not happy. There's one problem that's taking our joy. There's one problem that's making us angry. There's one problem that's making us impatient. There's one problem that makes us critical of everybody else. It's worldliness. And churchgoer, you can be worldly. Sunday school teacher, you can be worldly. Preacher, deacon, you can be worldly. We can look outwardly righteous and be worldly. Guys, we are in danger when we are devoted to the temporary world. You say, well, Brandon, I am not worldly. I don't cuss. I don't talk bad. I'm in church. I do everything that I'm supposed to do. We think worldliness is looking at dirty movies. We think worldliness is, is looking like the world. And that is a form of worldliness. But guys, I want us to understand the worldliness in which the Bible speaks of is a desire for the temporary world. I read this and I said, Oh, me. Forgive me. How often is our desires only for the temporary world? And you can be doing everything that you're supposed to be doing outwardly, but inwardly we are desiring everything that is temporary. And it leaves us just trying to grab sand between our fingers. It never fulfills us. It never helps us. It never gives us joy, worldliness. We can still be caught in it if we're not careful. And not just talks and acting. It is that when we are focused on our satisfaction, it is when we are focused on our wants and our desires. Have you ever been there? Guys, if we're not careful, we're all there. Because the fleshly side that we still deal with is constantly wanting it. Am I the only one? Man, when are we going to have church? 
When are we going to get real? This is what God's talking about. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. <laughs> when are we, we are so focused on our satisfaction, our wants, our desires, when we leave God out of our decisions, our life, our church, and our homes, we're in worldliness. When God becomes just a formality and it is an empty relationship, it is in worldliness. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's real simple. Is Jesus in your life? I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I didn't ask you if you went to BBS in 1994 and you got baptized. I'm asking you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he yours? Do you feel his Holy Spirit about you? Do you feel him guiding you? Do you feel him convicting you? Do you feel him drawing you? Do you feel him all of your days saying, son, when you get out of line, do you feel that holy whooping that he brings? When God becomes just a formality, Lord, don't let us make you a formality. Guys, I want us to understand that there is a consequence to worldliness. Look in verse 1. It's the consequence. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Ye... Yet ye have not because you ask not. Guys, I want us to understand. Worldliness causes war and fightings. Not just amongst you and brethren, but in your life. Anytime, I'm going to be real with you. I don't hide nothing. I'm not perfect. I'm a man. But I am a sinner saved by grace. Amen. Anytime... In my marriage, when I take things out on my wife, it's because there's something in my life that ain't right. Every single time. Every time that we get impatient with somebody, every time that we get angry at somebody, every time that we come into the church and say, man, I just wish you would shut up and I wish you'd sit down, I'm sick of your face. Every single time, it has nothing to do with them and it has all to do with you because there is war raging in your life. Because when a man or woman is right with God, we are filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And if a Christian never has any of those things, my friend, it's because something is out of bounds. And you can either soil up and say, you know what, everybody else has got the problem, or you can humble yourselves and start to pray and to say, God, release me of this demon and this evil in my life. Amen, Amen. Amen or oh me. But there is war and there is fightings between family, church, and self. But most of the time when we are angry at others, it's because something is out of bounds in our own life. America, I said, is the hardest place to be a Christian because it is so easy to look holy but yet be far from God. Verse 2, it talks about our desires. It says, the turn, often we turn, our desires make us turn to jealousy. 
And it drives us to want things other than God. Everybody's been in this. Everybody's looked out the other side of the window. Everybody's looked at the green pastures that look so green. They're not green. You're going to get over there and you're going to be very disappointed. Because if you can't be happy where God has you in the moment, you ain't going to appreciate where he's, where you think you want to go. Wait on God. There's something that I've been, man, I've been studying. I'm talking about Joshua. And Joshua is leading his people across the river. And he tells them something. He says, when the ark moves, you move. And until then, you sit still and enjoy being where you are. The ark is the presence of God. And as soon as that ark moves, you follow it. If that ark goes right, you go right. If that ark goes left, you go left. If that ark goes up, you go up. But if it's set still, you set still too. And rest where God has you in that moment. But be studying, be preparing, be saying, God, I want to be the best I can be in this moment of where you got me. I wholeheartedly believe and if we will give God the little, he will trust us with more. But so many times our life turns to jealousy It drives us to want other things other than God. Guys, in verse 4, it says, so many times, are we a friend of God or are we a friend of the world? Christian, we must put our guards up because in a blink of an eye, in one blink of an eye, we inch towards the world, Satan can have his way. Guys, I want you to understand that even in God's house, there are families that can be on the brink. Because we are so in our comfort that we have forgotten to rely on him. And devil is sneaky. And when we're not paying attention, he's just a little bit closer, 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 closer. And before you know it, he's right out your back door. And before you know it, he's in your house. And before you know it, you <laughs> he can take everything you got. Christian, he can do it to you. I think sometimes we think that, oh, no, I'm immune to all this. No, you're not. Because what a horrible testimony it is for a Christian to be destroyed. A lost person gets destroyed. Hey, they're lost. I'm blood-bought. I'm telling you that the, 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 the word is my life, that God saved my soul, and I'm a changed man. And if Satan gets into my life and destroys my walk, destroys my testimony, destroys my family, destroys everything that I got, what a damage it is to the lost and dying world. My friend, you have a target on your back, and you better be aware of it. We inch, he inches towards us as we inch towards the world. But guys, I want us to understand there's the problem, worldliness. Two, I want us to understand there is a provision. Look at verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Brandon, I found myself in worldliness. What do I do? I'm tired. I'm worn. I want joy again. Guys, the Bible makes us a promise. Humble yourself. Go to God again. Repent. And God says, I will lift you up. I will bring you back up. I will give you grace. I will give you mercy. I will help you if you will humble yourself enough to come to me. 
Guys, the Christian walk is not... uh, We talk about this with salvation, but I believe it's the whole Christian life. The Christian walk is not so high that you constantly got to grab at it and you got to try to be it and you got to try to just be all that you can while all the while the inside is falling apart. We can't reach God. But He came to me. And He came all the way down. And we must get on our knees that we cannot reach so high but we got to humble ourselves to get so low that God can use us and fix us and do as He will with us. Amen? But the problem is we won't get low enough for God to use us. We don't allow it because we're filled with pride. We're filled with worldliness. But guys, there is a provision. Satan wants you to live in that pride, but God wants you to humble yourselves and give yourself to him in repentance. The Christian life is a life full of repentance. My friend, I want us to understand, you can't, but he can. There's a lot of truth in that I can't, but he can. God can do so much more and beyond what I can do. And I cannot live the Christian life without him. If I'm trying to walk with Jesus, but I leave him out of my life, I can't do it. I think sometimes we make being a Christian, it's like, okay, I'm saved. But guys, the benefit and the awesome thing about being saved is not that you just get to go to heaven. Amen, we get to go to heaven. But it is that when God is with us all of our life. And it's like Christians don't even realize that God has given them these promises to live. I get to be happy here too. And I get heaven. But Satan wants you to live in that defeated place. The church today needs less people with the answers and it needs more people going to God for the answers. How many times in your family, I got the answer. I know there's been times in my life as a dad, I got the answer. I go and do something stupid every time. When is the people of God going to quit pretending that we got all the answers to everything and go to God again for all the solutions in which he gives? We're weak. I'm weak. I have no power of my own, and neither do you. But amen. Praise God that he gives us and fills us with everything that we need. But the church today needs to go back to God for the answers. And then finally, we see the problem. We see the provision. And then finally, we get to see the prescription. Verse 7 through 10. This is what you do. If you're at a spot where you have been in the world and no longer do you feel God's relationship, no longer have you been where he once had you when you have left him, guys, this is the first thing you must do. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Ain't that good? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The first thing we must do is submit. What that word submit means is to get in your proper rank. How many times are we always wanting to be head, honk, Joe? God's saying, submit to me, boy. Yeah. 
Submit to me, girl. I am in control, not you. It's like a private going up to a general saying what he's going to do. The Bible says get in our rank. Get where you belong. Stop telling God to get in line and you get in line to what God's got for you and say, God, forgive me for stepping out of place. Verse 8, not only are we to submit to Him, we are to draw near to Him. How do we draw near to Him? we got to get clean. Just like David, guys, a man after God's own heart where the devil had taken almost everything that he had, created me a clean heart, O oh God. Return me to the joy of my salvation, O oh Lord. When is the last time we've said, God, make me clean and mean it? Get rid of the hindrances in your life. It is not worth it. It is not worth living with hindrances. This life is too short for it. I know we got heaven and eternity waiting, but we got just a little bit of time to make a difference for the Lord down here. And so many times we live with these hindrances all the time. Well, they did this to me, and so therefore I'm never going to serve. My friend, get over it. Keep serving. I've hurt them. My friend, go tell them I'm so, you're sorry and move on. There's so many hindrances. Oh, Brandon, I can't quit fighting this stuff that I'm looking at. My friend, go to somebody. Get it out of your life. Get rid of the hindrances. And it takes faith. Faith. But we've said in the past, faith unlocks the miracle. Have faith in a God that says he'll take care of you on the other side. He will. Every time that we think we're hampered down by mess and we think this is the way it's always going to be, the moment that we give it to God, He says, Thank you, son. I'm glad you finally give it to me. Now let me give you a solution that only I can. Amen. And He'll do it. Draw near. Get clean. Cleanse me, O oh God. Get rid of the hindrances of my life. Guys, we must start to deal with our sin. Whose sin? Your sin. Your sin, your sin, my sin, your sin, your sin, your sin, your sin, my sin again, your sin. We want God to move, but we won't even deal with what's going on in our own life. Brandon, that's for everybody else to repent. No, my friend, it's for you to repent. God wants you. He wants you. He wants you. And guess what? You give him you, guess what? You're going to end up helping somebody else. And it ain't going to be long until they see you. And oftentimes we're the ones hindering the Spirit because we won't listen to God. And before you know it, when we give up and we say, God, I am yours, it isn't long until the whole everything breaks loose because sometimes we are the hindrances and we don't even know it. Are you a hindrance? Is your sin that's in your life making you a hindrance? Guys, life is not worth living that way. And I only tell you this because I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Verse 9. The next thing we need to do is be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter and turn to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You know what we need to start doing? Praying. 
Who all in here says, I struggle witnessing? Three people. Who in here struggles witnessing? Okay, I do. You know what I've realized? That when I try to witness without the power of prayer in my life, I have no power. You know what I realize when I'm trying to to get through a sin in my life that ain't right? If I don't go to God in constant prayer, I have no power to defeat it. Guys, guys, I want you to understand the power of prayer is not just some, hey, Lord, be with us today. No, we can't do anything without prayer. The Bible says that the church should be a house of prayer. But so many times we make it into something that it shouldn't be. Prayer. Prayer is what changes lives. And I can't understand it all other than God commands us to pray. And I know that when we pray, we, it is not very long till we understand the will of God in our life Amen. and what He wants from us. And though sometimes He might say no, that's okay. But there's a lot of times when I'm right with God, I'm okay with no matter what He says because I'm already in tune to what He wants. But guys, there is no power without prayer. When is the last time you have been afflicted? When is the last time you have mourned? When is the last time you have weeped? When is the last time you have been burdened over your sin? It should bother us. If our prayers don't make it past the ceiling, it should bother us. It should bother us if we don't have power in our life. It should bother us if there's no anointing in our life. It should bother us if there's no presence of God in our life. It should bother us if there's no peace in our life. It should bother us if we were closer to God years ago than we are today. You know how many times I hear that? I was closer to God years ago than I am today. Now, I'm not saying, guys, that there's not hindrances. I'm not saying that there's not moments where we feel far away from the Lord. But, guys, overall, we should be on a sanctification process, becoming and looking like Jesus every single day. And for somebody to say, 10 years ago, I was serving. Ten years ago, I was doing everything that I should be doing. Ten years ago, I was witnessing. Ten years ago, I read the Bible. Ten years ago, I prayed. Ten years ago, I did this. My friend, what are the hindrances in your life that you're not doing it today? And whatever they are, get rid of them. Because I should be closer to the Lord today than I was yesterday. And I'm not saying we don't stumble. I'm not saying we don't fall. But I'm saying we shouldn't be going backwards in our Christian life. Guys, I want us to understand today that there is a problem. Verse 10. And listen, you say, man, Hillcrest Baptist Church is going amazing. I'm not just worried about Hillcrest Baptist Church. I'm worried about God's church. I'm worried about the empty churches on every corner, aren't you? I'm worried about those high school kids that need Jesus, ain't you? I'm worried about the children that are growing up in this nasty world, aren't you? Or are we so worldly that we can't get past our own nose? Because there is a world that needs Jesus. 
And so many times we are so consumed with things that have nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with Him. And we wonder why we're just not joyful and happy and we don't have that peace in our life. We're too worried about hurting the other Christian than we are leading somebody to Jesus. We're too worried about gossiping somebody instead of looking at our own life. We're too worried about what everybody else is doing instead of looking at us. Verse 10, finally, and we're going to close. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Guys, I want us to understand we must see God for who he is and that he is God, that he is all-knowing, that he is righteous, that he is holy, and that we are not. And the fact that he even allows us to go to him at all is a miracle. And what a travesty it is that we reject that. Not an outward, but an inward humbling. When is the last time you reflected on yourself and not everybody else? If anyone should be humble, it should be the sinners that were saved by grace. Is the land being taken in your life? And I, guys, I want you to understand, do not let another inch be taken. I pray that today you come to Jesus, you ask God for forgiveness, you turn your eyes back on Him, you stop serving the world and start to serve Christ, stop serving you and serve Him. It's that simple. We're going to go in a moment of invitation. Now, guys, I have been... This whole week, I want to tell a funny story, God. I want to tell them a funny story and make them laugh and let them have a good time. But God put this on my heart. And I know that there's somebody in this place that needs this, if not every single one of us. Who wants Hillcrest to be a light into this world? Then get out of our comfort zone and let him be the light of this community. Because he ain't going to get past some of us if we don't let him. Guys, God's got us a preacher coming. Are we going to be on board? Are we going to be excited for what God's doing? Guys, I don't care if we have not want to have a preacher for eight more years. I know the team don't want that. God is still God. And he is still moving. And he is still going. Guys, you are not based anything on me. I am a man. It is God. And it doesn't matter who is in this pulpit. What matters is the people of God are getting real in their life. And that is powerful. We're going to pray. And if anybody in here, guys, do not sit in your seat if God is calling you to do something. Otherwise, those hindrances get stronger and stronger and stronger to a point you don't even recognize God's call no more. And maybe you're in a place where I haven't felt God's call in a long time. Say, Lord, speak louder. Lord, speak louder to me again. Because I think we should all have the want to be closer to Him today than we were yesterday.